Welcome to For the Record. As part of our series on marketing and innovation, I'm excited to have Manu Razavi, a friend and former colleague of mine from CasePoint on today's show. Manu is known for her digital marketing prowess, working in high growth B2B SaaS marketing departments, including CasePoint and a large law firm. She engineers the marketing departments that she works with, with the appropriate infrastructure that can sustain business through accelerated change. Thank you, Manu, for sharing your knowledge of digital marketing with us today on For the Record. Thanks, Valerie. Really happy to be here. So glad you're here too. And so for our listeners out there, even though I know a lot about you, please tell me a little bit about yourself. For sure. I'm a digital marketing maven. I've been doing digital for 12 years now. I'm marketing specifically for eight. I was always fascinated by the impact of technology in our communications and relationships. Actually, I remember particularly uh, feeling particularly hip when Georgetown University students, my alma mater, were able to get Facebook accounts. And uh, we were one of the first cohort of schools on Facebook with uh, all the absolutely innovative new things that we, we saw online. And when I was a freshman, if screen time limits were a thing, I'd probably have concerning amounts of it. Uh, spent way too much time <laughs> on Facebook back then, more than I do now. Yeah, so back to you know how I ended up here after a few years of social media analysis on government contracts, I landed a content writing position for a tech startup. And that was my foray into marketing. Uh, first time I was in a marketing department, learning the field and the area with a serial entrepreneur at Curve. And um, ever since starting with content marketing, the power of the written word to persuade buyer uh, really has been a pillar for my efforts. So keeping up with tech, I uh, really had my longest tenure at CasePoint for five years. It's a legal tech company, e-discovery company, and I put their digital marketing on the map. They hired me as their first in-house marketing hire. I wore many hats, grew the team to about eight. I did everything from tech stack engineering to social media to writing content to enablement on marketing for our sales team. And uh, once I was able to settle down at CasePoint, I focused most on content-based demand generation. And that is exactly what I was hired to do at a boutique global litigation law firm. That's really amazing. You've worked on a lot of projects. You've gone from being a traditional marketer to a legal marketer and to a law firm marketer. What are the secrets to your success? Empathy. You know, we mostly think of empathy in the realm of emotional IQ and our people relationships. Obviously, it has a role in my longstanding, successful personal and business relationships, knowing you and your agency platform, for one. Uh, it's important for team building, which is a particular superpower of mine. But emotional IQ aside, I actually think empathy is a key pillar and ingredient for marketing. How else will you be able to know your buyer, understand your audience's pain points, be in their shoes, understand what they need to see, where they are, what they're doing without empathy? So you really need empathy to train your sales force to utilize marketing. You need empathy to sell a product, to sell a service. Marketing can succeed if you haven't honed and clued in to that sense of empathy. And that, I think, is secret to my success and secret to any marketer's success. You also mentioned something else, which I thought was really interesting, focusing on content marketing and the power of content marketing throughout everything that you've been doing. And 
You know, especially nowadays with pandemic or post-pandemic, when you look at marketing programs across the board, you know, is content marketing the success of a, a marketing program or is it something else? Look, content is queen. Um, and and I think that it's a big pillar in whatever you do, even if you're doing ads, even if you're doing uh what are traditionally not content channels for marketing, because at the end of the day, what matters is, are you bringing and showing value to your audience and to show value to your audience and to convince them that you're the service they want, you're the product they need, you need to utilize content and the written word. So at the end of the day, I think content reigns every single channel in marketing. And uh, yeah, just like you said, I've, I've made it a pillar for my uh, my efforts anywhere I am. And what's great about it is across all verticals, tech companies, legal tech companies, straight law firms, content is your best friend. And good content, content that brings value add, content that is white labeled often is actually going to be your star content. Mm, interesting. So, so going back to content that translates to all the different, you know, channels that you actually leverage, how do you know if it's effective or or not? Look, you got to really tune in to your KPIs, to the tech stack that you have. Make sure that before you even gauge, you know, if something's successful or not, if copy is working or not. First of all, make sure you got the tech stack to pick up on the engagement, on the clicks, on the opens, on the heat maps of your of your pages. Once you've got that house in order, then you can take a look and look at these KPIs and see if that's what's drawing attention, if that's what people are glazing over or ignoring. And based on that, fine tune and iterate. I think the key to successful marketing and probably key to a lot of things in life is, is following through and iterating. Just because something didn't work, don't abandon it and just switch over to completely new, a completely new channel, a completely new campaign. Uh, stick with it. And uh, oftentimes, you're probably going to do well if you iterate on what you have in the first place, rather than scratch it and start for it. Can, can you give an example of the iterative process? And then you mentioned te tech stack. So I want to get back to that, because I think some of our listeners don't understand what a tech stack is, especially in the marketing context. Yeah, for sure. So iteration, I think the uh, first time I really tuned in to the importance of uh, iterative cycles in marketing was when I was working with an agency or working on ad copy. And uh, there was an ad copy, there were a couple of ad copies were doing A-B testing and one of them was weak. And my first instinct was like, hey, it's the weak one, just ditch it. You know, version B is winning, just stick with that and uh, create a couple more that's just like B. And the account manager I was working at with the ad agency was like, hey, you know what? Yeah, B, version B is successful. We'll keep it up. But I want to just try to tweak version A. Can you give me a little more budget to work with version A and just tweak it a little bit? Move a few words here and there. Update a few keywords. And I was like, you know, sure. And and she did. And actually, what ended up in the long run was that iteration of version A three months down the road was the more successful copy and the one that converted most leads. So really sticking with it and giving something a chance and not abandoning too quickly was was a lesson I learned there. 
That's that's actually really good feedback because I know, especially when we're doing campaigns, sometimes we just naturally just chuck it out because it's not effective. Um, and I'm kind of curious going back to this testing and kind of the data-driven approach, what you're kind of talking about, that all comes back to the tech stack and what you have and, and trying to figure out what what you're doing. Could you tell you know our listeners who you know what the tech stack is and t- um, let us know a little bit more about how you approach digital marketing? For sure. I happen to be the a serial first hire for digital marketing, uh, both at the startup that I was at, then at Casepoint, first hire for digital marketing. And in fact, at Cobra and Kim as well, there's this big initiative for demand gen and uh, almost like a startup within the firm, first hire there as well. So I've really seen the um, the nascence of, of digital marketing uh, grow. And because of that, I became intimately involved in that engineering and the software and the tools you need as an infrastructure. I call it marketing infrastructure engineering. You have to take stock. Of course, there are a lot of tools out there, uh, whether it's for tracking your SEO, whether it's for heat maps of looking at what parts of a web page or a landing page or your domain website are successful or grabbing users' hovers and clicks. Lots of technology out there. So configuring a baseline tech stack, your marketing automation, your data collection tool, and your SEO is absolutely necessary for constructing what is a effective future for marketing, digital marketing campaigns. You need the basics for marketing automation, for search engine optimization, and if you have extra budget to play around with, some sort of AI tool. If you have to pick and choose, you know, look at something. If your if your website is a main source of lead conversion, then invest in a tool that will help you be more interactive on the website, customize the web pages, perhaps based on user demographics. If you're focused more on account-based marketing, there are many tools out there that can try to decipher the anonymous visitors to your website and your web assets based on their IP address. So take stock of your budget. There's a huge market out there for different tools that you can add on. If you're working on a lean budget, pick and choose the things that will serve you most in the long run. That's really great advice, especially since you've not just worked in the legal tech market and the law firm market, but you also worked in other markets. You know, is the tech stack similar for all these different markets? Is, is marketing the same or is it different? The part that's the same is that you're going to need to understand your audience. You're going to need to understand who they are, what they need, where they are to be able to meet them at the right place and time. And what's different is often where they are and what they need and who they are. Exact same three things. So they need to know that is the same. And then the answers to them vary across different verticals. The part that is different that I've experienced recently, mostly in the, in the law firm world is there is a different level of appetite for digital marketing among the audiences. Mm. We know that getting a click and a form fill out of a lawyer is probably 50 times harder than it is out of any other lay audience, mm-hmm. your average audience out there. But, uh, understanding that, you know, there might be a limited ama- appetite for digital marketing probably is the most difference uh, among different mm. verticals. 
other than that, you just got to know your buyer. You got to know their pain points and you got to know what's going to make them click, literally. Interesting. So did you notice a difference between digital marketing prior to the pandemic versus during the pandemic and now as we're hopefully getting out of the pandemic, but who knows, right? Who knows? It seems to be some never ending Groundhog Day cycle here. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, in the pandemic and post pandemic world, I think the biggest difference is that there are just more digital marketers out there because, mm-hmm. uh, marketers who weren't able to digitally market themselves and or didn't want to relied on in person marketing and, uh, and billboard marketing now have to shift to online. So there are definitely more people out there. What hmm. I think hasn't changed is that still, in my opinion, your key to success is marketing that brings value add. A um, $100 gift card to a dinner isn't as attractive to me as it is a white paper that gives me some insight or a statistic or something about my industry that I didn't know before. So I still think content is queen. Hmm. So that that's really good insight. What digital marketing strategies would you say are the most effective for 2022? Look, everybody's relying on email marketing. Um, I'm not going to write it off. It's it's a it's an important tool in your toolbox, mm-hmm. and it's definitely not something anybody can eliminate. What I think is amazing in 2022 and every year as technology has progressed is marketing tools that use artificial intelligence that try to triangulate using AI what the IP address is, what the behavior of a user is, and then show them customized content, switch out keywords. I even know of a tool that'll show a different type of homepage to the visitor who visits your main website based on intelligence that they collect. That type of stuff is absolutely tantalizing for me. And I think uh, that's really the key to success is following the technology and seeing what's the latest and greatest out there. Because uh, we leave a lot of cookie trails um, more often than not online, and there are a lot of tools that can take advantage of that and help marketers get their message across. That's amazing. So, what, like, how do you keep abreast of all the the marketing trends out there? I was always an avid reader, uh, pre-internet too. I was an avid reader. Mm-hmm. I, I read a lot, yep. so that always helps. I love gobbling up information, hearing other people's stories, listening to other people. During the pandemic, I was really forced to lean into my online professional network, something that was not in my comfort zone as much uh, previously, mm-hmm. getting to meet new people online and uh, attending professional events, attending uh, networking events that I found out through LinkedIn has definitely been a huge value add in my life and understanding mm-hmm. of what the latest marketing trends are. And uh, probably one of the few good things out of the pandemic was that I was able to lean into this online world that I hadn't tapped into before. I think that's really, really wonderful. And, I, and I'm, I'm thinking about, I know video's big right now, like in terms of how you use it and what you do with it. You know, when you look at all the different types of content, even audio, what do you think is the most effective for for marketing? Is it is it the written word? Is it video? Is it audio? Is it a combination of both? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I I, I still say the written word because even if it's audio and video, yeah. you got to have a good script, uh, a good script along with it. And I've also worked with a lot of lean departments. That's why I think uh, I, I still go for written word as your as your number one. But uh, obviously, depending on the audience and the industry, video and audio might definitely give you an edge. 
I do know that there are also a lot of restrictions with audio and video. How often is it that you're you're ready to turn up the volume if you're scrolling your LinkedIn instead of doing your work mm-hmm. at work or plug in that headphone? So there's always that. But um, I still stick to uh, written word content, white papers, uh, shorter content, blog, digestible information like infographics. They are the best. But of course, depending on audience and product. Uh, video cool. and podcasts and and audio are pretty good too. That, that's great. That's great to know that actually, and it's very helpful when you think about what you could put your spend towards. So going back to to some of the things that you had mentioned about metrics and and how you measure the effectiveness of your digital marketing program. What type of metrics should marketers be asking for their agencies? What should they be using? Sure. There are a slew of standard metrics uh, that you always want to keep an eye on. And depending on the digital marketing channel that you're using, there are different ones. Obviously, the ultimate one is what your cost per lead is. And um, under that, what I call the building block KPIs, there are a lot that lead up to your main cost per lead and your main ROI that you're keeping track of. So I definitely challenge marketers to not solely look on the ROI and cost per lead without taking it deeper understanding and look at the other KPIs. Mm -hmm. What was the impression, the cost per impression? It's important for a marketing leader to not get caught up in one KPI or another month over month. Take that 10,000 step view or 10,000, you know, foot view above. Take a look at everything as a whole. And um, I wouldn't pester an agency month over month over a small KPI if I hadn't actually taken stock of the 10,000 step view, uh, bird's eye view from above. Does the big picture work? That's the most important thing. Do each of your puzzle pieces, each of those smaller KPIs come together? Is there something you need to tweak between the quote unquote less important KPIs to make that ultimate KPI, your cost per lead and your ROI become effective? Mm. I'm quoting one of my colleagues here. Uh, it's not, not my own words, but we have output and we also have outcome and outcomes are what really matter strategically. Uh, sure, you made 200k touch points in a year, but that's the output. What was the outcome? The outcome was, say, a 30% increase in engagement for your users. Mm-hmm. And that's the important metric to track strategically is the outcome, not the output. That's really cool to think, to think about, definitely. And it just for some of the listeners out there, could you give an example of one of your most successful campaigns? Like how many like channels did you use? What what made it successful? And then if you could, you don't have to tell your like worst story, but I am kind of curious what, <laughs> if there's any other, you know, things that are campaigns that aren't successful out there, just that could that people could see the difference. Sure, sure. I'm going to go off the beaten path here. Okay. Um, the, I'm, I'm going to talk about a successful uh, win, digital marketing win in my book that, um, actually don't have the number for like, you know, leads or the cost for leads that came. That's but totally I do fine. remember the time that I saw it happen and what I felt that way. Um, working with a lot of lean budgets, I, and, and content, like I said, I really, um, leaned into organic search. Uh, I think showing up in organic search, uh, requires a certain level of diligence month over month. There is nothing you can trick Google, <laughs> Google search into. <laughs> you just gotta, gotta 
beat the drum very, um, very consistently and be very careful about what you do when it comes to organic search wins. And mm -hmm. the day that I saw a case point white paper show up next to relativity, which is very big, probably the biggest competitor in the field, mm -hmm. e-discovery and Deloitte is a day I still remember where I was. I still remember when I was. And I remember when I searched the keywords and our white paper came up in the top three slots I immediately, I called my sister. I was like, can you search these in incognito mode on your phone? <laughs> and then I called my husband. Can you search these words on your like, on your like Chrome, uh, browser uh, to make hilarious. sure that it wasn't just me seeing. That's <laughs> seeing amazing. But it was a long time coming. And I remember there were, there were a lot of doubters who were like, really, Mino? Like, do we have to add this keyword into our blog post? And I'm like, yes, please add it in every paragraph, add it the first sentence yeah. of the blog and the last sentence of the blog. And it, and it finally paid off. Um, well, that was that was That's a big awesome. win for sure. And you know, I I I can't be the only one. There was a campaign we run, launched on for Legal Week before the pandemic, and we had put all our eggs in one particular basket topic and really pushed it. But then the pandemic happened, and as it turned out, a much more basic topic transforming to cloud. It wasn't. It wasn't anything particularly new, but that was probably the one that would give us the most bang for a buck over long term. And I, I had to abandon the original campaign that we worked really hard on that was about bells and whistles and discovery mm -hmm. to a more basic people just switch the cloud. You're going to need it. Everybody's working yeah. remotely. Uh, and, and I guess that was, that was, that was a poor performing campaign, but more a case of that was when abandoning something was probably a smart decision than than just keeping on because as we know three calendar years later we're still trying to digitally we're still transform it. people <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just um i mean i going back to like our initial conversation digital marketing has become such such a thing now and to this day i i still was taking a couple calls today where People didn't know how to market in this environment. And I was so astounded by that in the sense of people are having, uh, people and corporations are having difficulty trying to find like those true leads. Um, and, you know, I believe at least just from our results for, with our clients that digital marketing is the most effective way. So, yeah. Um, you know, especially since we're running out of time, what recommendations would you make to marketers and companies out there to think about when marketing in this climate? And what should companies do to get noticed? Absolutely. Um, there are a few things, and some of them I've already mentioned on the call, but I really want to drive the point home. Uh, bring something valuable. We have a value add for the prospects that you're targeting. It's always easy to show them value once they've signed the deal. But mm -hmm. I think you're going to really catch their eye if you show them something valuable, give them information they didn't have before they sign. And that might actually be the difference between a click open versus a, you know, just delete and delegating an email to the, the you know, the spam folder. Um, so adding value in your content, in your messages, in your emails, in your in-mail premium LinkedIn messages is, is definitely key. Even if in the cold phone calls, uh, you know, instead of leaving a message that just talks about you and your product, tell the listener of that message, tell the end prospect something that they didn't know. And then another thing, especially for product marketing, uh, that's something a page I take out of legal tech. I'm, I guess it's kind of applicable to law firms too, but 
you have to market beyond the deal. Just because you got, you know, an inked deal doesn't mean your work is over. Mm, and that's actually, that's a good tip. yeah, that's actually a big thing uh, that I emphasize when it came to sales enablement. And there are a lot of companies that sell their product, they get a signed deal, but actually the people who sign the deal, even they pay, even if they pay the money, they're not using the product. And if they're not using mm-hmm. the product, they get the product, they can't champion it for you and they can't refer. Uh, so marketing beyond the deal is, is really important, especially, you know, in the realm of legal tech and you discover there are a lot of products that firms or organizations will sign on to have if they use it, but they might not use it even if they're paying for hmm. it. So market, yeah. market beyond, beyond the signature. And that's, that's really important too. That's such great advice, Manu. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you being on the show and being a friend of mine. So Likewise, Valerie. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, definitely. And, and thanks so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You know, being getting to know you, uh, being a client of Platform has definitely taught me a lot just by, just by watching and learning. So absolutely, my pleasure. You've been listening to For the Record. To hear more marketing tips, subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast streaming platform. To learn more about us, go to platform.com.